welcome back to Truck Tech, everyone. We're uh, we're happy this week to be able to continue bringing you content from last week's uh, Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. In a little bit, we'll share with you our interview with John Rich, who's the Chief Technology Officer at PACAR. Uh, PACAR was the one company among the major truck makers that had a real presence at uh, at CES and, uh, you know, full, full blown display, not something we've typically seen from them or the other truck makers, but they had a lot to share and John had a lot to talk about. So we'll get into that in just a couple minutes after these headlines. Um, really breaking news, uh, today around Too Simple. You know, we've been tracking the decline and the ultimate disappearance of this company from the U.S. for several months now. And this morning, the company decided it's going to delist uh, voluntarily from the NASDAQ and go private. That means that uh, no more public trading in the company. The stock reacted, as you might expect, negatively to that today, trading all the way down around 30 cents a share. This is a company that once traded at about $70. But we've seen this uh, this activity playing out now over the months. Uh, Too Simple has laid off almost all of its uh, U.S. employees. It's It's put up for sale most of its uh, uh, facilities in, in, in Tucson, Arizona, and, uh, not exactly sure what's going to happen with the San Diego headquarters. But this is a, a story of a company pivoting to China where it once thought it would sell its, uh, sell its operations, uh, instead and concentrate in the U.S. Instead, it's gone the other direction. So, um, kind of sad news for, uh, too simple, especially for those who are still holding on to the stock. Um, there will be no actual moves uh, made because of a standstill agreement with executive chairman and co-founder Mo Chen. He can't really do anything without uh, approval of a special uh, independent directors board. But Mo Chen basically controls uh, 60% of the voting stock in the company. So uh, we'll just have to see what happens. And, you know, what they want to tell us is what we'll learn because it's not going to be pro uh, public anymore. Also, uh, this one is a little older, still kind of sad, but uh, happened in December. But uh, Lightning E-Motors out of Colorado, which uh, made uh, electric uh, shuttle buses and school buses, Class A, you know, the small school buses, um, was forced into receivership in December. That's essentially the same thing as bankruptcy, and its assets are being sold off. You know, Tim Reeser, the CEO who could be maybe the most enthusiastic person we've ever interviewed on Truck Tech, uh, you know, uh, had to let this one go. Uh, he had tough times uh, going on anyway. Uh, we'll get into this more in Friday's Truck Tech newsletter. But uh, one of the creditors said, you can't pay your bills, so we're going to force you into receivership. And that's what's happened. So uh, kind of a sad end for a company that, again, uh, you know, went public via SPAC uh, and, you know, ran out of money and had a very difficult time raising more. So uh, it was uh, exposed and it was uh, vulnerable and now it is gone. Okay, so in Las Vegas last week, we had an opportunity to do quite a bit uh, with a number of companies that we'll be able to bring you over coming weeks on Truck Tech. But today, we're going to focus on uh, John Rich, who is the uh, Chief Technology Officer at PACCAR. Uh, John has a long history uh, before joining PACCAR a few years ago at Ford Motor Company, where he actually worked on and with the folks at uh, what was then known as Argo AI, the autonomous uh, uh, car company. He talks a little bit about that. Uh, Argo, uh, you know, went out of, went out of business uh, when Ford and uh, Volkswagen pulled out their investments. Um, the founders there are, have started a, an autonomous trucking company called Stack AV. Uh, we'll learn more about that. But for for this uh, for this episode, we're going to hear about Packar, and uh, here we go. 
Welcome back to Truck Tech. I'm here with John Rich, the Chief Technology Officer for PACAR Inc. John, it's good to see you. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us. You know, PACAR has got a, a little bit of everything going on and from the technology standpoint. Kind of hard to pick winners and losers at this point, I've heard you say. Tell me a little bit about how you envision technology overall with three brands and a global presence like you have. Well, that um, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's very hard to pick winners in technology. Uh, these these things will emerge over time, and and it, you know, technology paths will become more clear. Um, but you know, you can't you can't commit early, uh, overcommit early to certain technologies. You have to let you have to let some of them play out. Now, clearly, we're seeing some winners emerge in the right with the right technology use case fit. Battery electric vehicles, battery electric trucks are, uh, you know, certainly have a space. And we're starting to commit heavier uh, into the asset, you know, the assets required to support that. You've seen some of our some of our recent announcements with uh, with uh, battery joint ventures and uh, and other aspects of, of BEVs. But there's a lot of other technologies that are, you know, that have yet to play out. Um, it's it's not our approach where we take a very methodical approach and uh in technology selection um and we you know we'll commit heavily to something when we know it's uh you know has a path forward that really supports our customers we can go through a number of things and maybe we'll just start with uh autonomy because you you're one of the non-exclusive partners for aurora technology yep. working on a, a redundant chassis for autonomy with them obviously yep. working with continental which is going to do the the actual yep. uh hardening of, of their of their Aurora driver program. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about Aurora and, and what you're doing there uh, in, in terms of, you know, your expectations. Well, we uh, we very clearly are not the autonomous driver. You know, Aurora is a, a very, very sophisticated uh, AV, uh, AV AI company that uh, is, is intending to be the driver in the brains of the truck. We, what we're building is the autonomous vehicle platform underneath a, a hardened, redundant set of systems that's, that allows a cyber secure interface uh, and uh, and a, you know an industrialized platform for Aurora to work from. Um, it, it's it's our space. That's what we do. It's what we do well. We don't try to play uh, out you know outside of that and uh, and into the AV driver space. It's interesting with Continental, and of course, they've now frozen the, uh, the Aurora driver hardware system. They're going to do what Continental does, which is uh, yeah. fully uh, build out hardened technology and deliver it ultimately to to your plants. The intent then is for yeah. what? You know, we're we're very happy to see Continental step in uh, with Aurora uh, as a again as a very mature, sophisticated uh, automotive uh, tier one that really understands what it is to industrialize. Uh, a technology path and deliver it with quality to an OEM. So that's that's really an important step to to uh, to the longer term uh, mass production of of an AV at an efficient price point. We don't have to talk about a specific date, but around 2027, they'll begin to de deliver of fully build up systems to your plants. Therefore, a customer, a freight, uh, a, a pack car customer, a Peterbilt customer can essentially ticket just like they could anything else. Uh, yeah, our, our intent is to make this, um, and, and you're exactly right to not have a date. We, you know, it's very hard to um, call dates for 
technology revolutions like autonomous driving, autonomous trucking. Um, and I, you know, I think the industry, responsible players in the industry like to say it, it'll happen when it's ready, when it's mature and when it's very safe. Um, and, you know, Aurora is a, has been a wonderfully responsible partner in that regard as well. Uh, again, picking con partners like Continental who understand what it is to really industrialize and harden systems and get them right. Uh, uh, absolutely essential. Um, the intent is to, uh, you know, Aurora, Aurora wants to be the driver. They don't want to take over the role of the driving company. They want to be a, you know, supply the driver to uh, existing transport customers, our existing customers. Um, we know how to interface with those customers. We know how to sell to them. We know how to supply to them and support them uh, on the road. And that's what we do really, really well and have done for, you know, done forever. <laughs> In Kenworth's case, a hundred years. Um, it, the, uh, you know, the intent is to build systems that are capable of being built line side and uh, and can be, again, supplied uh, in the same manner we do today just by checking a box and enabling it on the Aurora system. Yeah. You know, it's been an interesting year uh, in autonomous. We've seen a number of players that we thought might have been serious contenders go by the wayside. Certainly, yep. we saw too simple exit the U.S. We, we've seen Waymo press pause at best on what they're doing. We've seen Embark yep. sort of go away. It's a lot, now, a lot harder than people thought. Yeah, I think so. And so we've got maybe, you know, at this moment, and of course there are companies that are worth watching, maybe Wabi, maybe, uh, you know, the the uh, Stack AV people, uh, you know, the newer entrants. But we're really looking at kind of three companies right now, Aurora, uh, uh, Torque, and Kodak, maybe not in that order, but, you know, that, that is that kind of how you see it? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's certainly other interest in the space um and again you've seen the uh you've seen stack start to step into this and and recognize that there uh there is a compelling market here and a compelling business uh once the technology is is completely ready and and scalable uh so there there's still a lot of interest um i i think you're you know you're watching kind of the normal progress of any technology of this nature as it works towards an s-curve and starts to sort out uh, sort out the players, mm -hmm. uh, both financially and technologically. Well, and, and of course, you have some history with the Argo business from your previous I, life. I have a lot of history with the Stack uh, Argo team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're uh, again, they're a good and capable team. That's that's coming in on the mature side of this, rather than the um, you know what we maybe saw five seven years ago, where um, uh, where there were a lot of players of varying degrees of maturity. Sure. Let's switch over to electrification for a moment. It's something that you were early in in terms of delivering uh, electric trucks, uh, yep. albeit in small numbers. But now it's uh, something that obviously California is driving that. And there's 10 other states that have signed on for variations, yep. I guess, of the advanced clean truck rule, yep. advanced clean fleet rule. So they're coming. I think you've said that that yep. was here. Yeah, we're look, we, we started doing um it started in a very methodical manner, delivering, I'll call it tens of trucks uh, in, in small volumes to learn, let our customers learn and, and take feedback and, uh, and start building the next generation of, of trucks. We're now delivering nine different trucks around the world. You see on our stand here, uh, the, uh, the DOF uh, uh, XD electric, wonderfully mature product, uh, very configurable for, for users. So again, a European truck in this case. 
uh, drives wonderfully, great attributes, uh, three, over 300 miles of range, and really starts to be a usable tool. But we're delivering nine different trucks around the world uh, today. Uh, they're orderable. Um, and we're, you know, again, we're in that early phase of the business where we're trying to work down a, uh, to a, a, a more affordable space where adoption can happen with more regularity and get away from the incentive. Well, and we have to talk about incentives for a minute because, because California, which again, you know, uses yep. carrots and sticks, yep. is going to largely remove those incentives from big fleets around 2025. They're going to need to be able to stand on their own. How do you, as, as a marketer and seller and builder of trucks, begin to fill that gap? How do you approach that? Well, you've seen our announcement on, on battery JBs. Uh, that batteries are the most expensive part in an electric truck. And we, um, we very, very conscientiously created a joint venture with a, with a rigid competitor and a, and a long-term collaborator. It comes in. Cummins being the long-term collaborator and Daimler being the, uh, the, the, the long-term competitor. Uh, but we saw the need to move down an, an adoption curve uh, in batteries, and that was only afforded by scale. None of us could do it alone. Um, so we, we created a, what I think is a very creative uh, joint venture to enable adoption. It also allowed us to really pursue truck-specific batteries and battery attributes and chemistries chemistry variations that um that really support our customer it, it you know trucks are not cars trucks go a million miles they don't have car parts they need to be incredibly abuse tolerant a customer can't have a question of what he has for a battery when he buys it or what it's going to look like at the end of the life of that truck it has to last the life of that truck you can't economically expire the truck early just because the battery's dead um so we 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 work together uh uh, with a with a technology company uh, called EVE to to develop what we think is a superior product for trucks uh, at a scale that we think will enable significant adoption. You've said there's three things, and maybe you can run through them that are that are important to this JV. One was cost, you, yep. you know, bring the cost down, and that's kind of where this started. Because if the incentives go away, we've got to find a way to offset cost, right? Yep. Cost, cost is critical. Uh, again, trying to drive operating costs down to or below diesel is the goal, of the, the long-term goal of, of BEVs. Uh, that won't happen in every case, but it, it, it's possible in a lot of different applications. Um, the second, again, the second goal for us was supply security. There's uh, batteries are coming from a lot of places in the world. Uh, a lot of things happening. It, it uh, getting localized with batteries. Was, was an imperative to us that uh, it, where we have control of our own destiny um, on you know what's available to us. And again, the third was a differentiated truck product, uh, having having the truck the toughness, the durability, and the, the and you know, a product that our customers could rely on and know both in their you know the first owner, second owner, third owner of that truck know what they're getting and know that it's durable, know it's going to be there for them. Supply security is interesting because you're not dealing with nickel, you're not dealing with magnesium, you're not dealing with some of the things that, you know, the traditional lithium ion batteries. Yep, we're, the LFP is... We're explicitly trying to stay away from high-grade nickel and, and cobalt uh, as as difficult. We view, we view those minerals as difficult. Um, and uh, we, we would like to uh, like to avoid them in the, in the use of our batteries. Sure. Um, the... Uh, uh, lithium, as you know, is plentiful. 
globally, it just, uh, it's not extracted and it's not refined uh, uh, as regularly as we'd like it to be, but that's changing. Right. And, and you know, the U.S. government has put a lot of energy into trying to enable uh, localized and, and, uh, and easier sources of, of lithium cores. John, you know, Packard is interesting. Early on, you offered a, a battery, uh, excuse me, charging solutions for your customers. You'd sell them a charger with a truck and that sort of thing. But you haven't really been present in that sort of public infrastructure space. You have a philosophy about that I think I'd like to hear about. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, we want we presently offer turnkey solutions to our customers for their sites uh, who need the ability to charge a truck. That, that's, uh, you know, a, a, an important piece of business for us that, uh, that we feel you know, necessary to support our, our customers in that manner. Um, we don't, beyond that, there, I know there are a lot of automotive players and, and uh, transport players who are dabbling in the larger infrastructure space. We really don't view that as our value add. Um, it's, it's not what we do well. We, you know, our value add here is to supply the great equipment, support our customers, uh, and, and keep them on the road and have uh, superior uptime. That is how we contribute to uh, the electrification. It's how we contribute to the system today. It's how we will contribute to an electrified zero carbon world uh, and supporting that customer. We are not an electric utility. We are not an electric infrastructure supplier. Uh, and it, it, it would be uh, not an efficient use of capital and, a, and a, frankly, an unfortunate diversion of capital away from better trucking products uh, to, uh, to spend our, uh, much of our time there. It's an, it's an interesting approach because, as you said, a lot of your competitors are dabbling, including Daimler uh, with Green Lane and yep. things like that. Um, but, but I guess your customers could take advantage of that nationwide infrastructure is there for there, public charging. There's a, a lot of public incentive going into nationwide charging. Uh, charging is, uh, you know, the interoperability is there. Uh, trucks can charge anywhere. Uh, and uh, again, we don't see that as our best contribution to uh, the, the transition that's in front of us. Sure. Let's talk about one other technology, and that's uh, fuel cells and hydrogen. You have got and have had uh, from for a number of years now a, a working relationship with Toyota yep. on fuel cells. Uh, let's pick that up with what you're going to start doing next year. Yeah, well, look, uh, the, there's a fuel cell T680 in front of us. That's uh, that's not only a pretty truck, that's a working uh, engineering truck that is, uh, that is you know, our design intent for uh, a, a, you know, serialized production uh, fuel cell vehicle. It, these will be on the road working this year uh, and they will be um, available to customers. They are available to customers to order. We're taking deposits uh, both under Kenworth and Peterbilt. Uh, for delivery into 2025. Now, Toyota is building uh, an actual heavy-duty fuel cell. They're using Mirai, you know, uh, fuel cells together uh, yeah. to to do a heavy-duty fuel cell product for you. And I say for you because I don't know that they would have put into the manufacturing in this country, in Kentucky, if they didn't have someone like you waiting for it. Yeah, well, the uh, we've worked with Toyota for a long time on this. And again, it's, as you noted, it started with a couple Mirai fuel cells put together and, and moving trucks into fleet applications uh, at fleet trials in California. Uh, we ran the only extensive fleet trial in America, uh, moving, you know, moving freight every day, doing work every day, just like a diesel truck uh, uh, in, uh, into the Inland Empire of California from the Port of Long Beach. Uh, trucks worked wonderfully. Uh, what, what you see in front of you is the next generation of those that is uh, 
you know, again, more optimized for a heavy duty truck application. Uh, and, and you should expect multiple generations of these things to really, really dial into, um, uh, in, into the trucking space and, and optimize into the trucking space. I think the bigger issue is just the availability of clean green hydrogen at, uh, you know, at the right pressures in the right places. Right. Well, let's talk about hydrogen for a moment. I mean, you're up, you come out of the Washington area. There's the Northwest Hydrogen yep. Hub there. Yep. We're, but- we're a part of the Northwest Hyd- Hydrogen Hub Consortium. Uh, we participated in that with, for the federal funding and, uh, proud to be a part of that, but proud to be also supportive of the other, uh, hydrogen initiatives, uh, and, and we hope to make all of them customers. But you're not, uh, an electrolyzer company. You're not doing no. that. Again, it kind of falls into that. Yep. What's your, what is it that we, you do? We you stay know? in our swim lane. We don't make electrolyzers. Uh, uh, there are a lot of people making electrolyzers, a lot of good companies making electrolyzers. And, uh, we, we, uh, we, you know, obviously support their efforts, uh, and, and encourage their efforts. Sure. But, uh, uh, again, installing uh, hydrogen infrastructure is a very specialized game. It's a capital-intensive space. It requ- you know, requires intense capital, um, and that's not our value add. Our value add is getting a very, very reliable, high uptime, uh, suitable replacement for diesel to, to work on, uh, on a hydrogen network. Yeah. Well, and I guess you have to point out it's been 85 years of, of profitability. There's a reason for that. Yep. And I think you just described a couple of them. Yeah. They, look, as, as you know, the company, no, no company in the broader automotive space has a record even close to 85 years of continuous profitability. And that's about, that's about a discipline on evaluating technologies, uh, investing efficiently, uh, but picking, picking carefully, investing efficiently. And when we do it, we do it right, we do it well, and we do it thoroughly. What I try to do, and we'll get you out of here on this, is is give you the last word. What is it that you want the audience for Truck Tech to, to really understand what we've talked about or what maybe we didn't hit? Yeah, you know, I think I think the thing to understand is this is a, you know, we, we go through hype cycles on this, and um, this is a long journey. This is a long journey, and... You're, you're going to have technology use case fits selectively and progressively through the, the, the transition to zero emissions. But it's not everything all at once. Um, the transportation system has to run. We have to put bread on the table. We can't make a horrifically expensive transportation system. Uh, we can't make something that doesn't have reliability, that doesn't have availability. And we can't expect the customers, uh, our customers, who who make the system work every day, who move three quarters of the GDP in the United States every day, we can't expect them to snap their fingers and, and, uh, and convert uh, tomorrow. It is going to take time and we have to do it together and we have to support, uh, you know, what are probably the hardest working people in America as they, uh, as they make their businesses work. Sure. John, thanks so much for the time. Great to have you here on Truck Tech. Well, great to, great to be here with you. Thanks for coming in. Okay, so John Rich, interesting guy, as you can tell, and uh, really has some very strong feelings, as does Packard, about how to approach uh, both autonomy and electrification. Uh, you know, this is not an infrastructure company, and I think after listening to John, you'll uh, you'll understand that they have no intention of becoming one. Um, folks, that's it for this week, but next time we'll, uh, we'll catch up with Sterling Anderson, the Chief Product Officer at Aurora Innovation, another opportunity that we had at CES. And we'll also talk with uh, Continental, which is their partner uh, bringing forward 
the um, uh, hardened software, the Aurora driver that they're going to make for sort of line-side production, as, as John Rich re referenced uh, in this episode, uh, for what's happening over there. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for watching. Thank you.